is Amanda. And this is Chris. And this is Vocal Perspective. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Vocal Perspective. We are going all the way around the world pretty much today, the kind of the opposite side of the earth for me today. We are speaking with Angie Chu from Singapore. She is part of the Acapella Society. She's she's kind of the boss. She kind of leads the whole thing. Hi, Angie. How are you? Hi, Amanda. Thank you for having me. I'm great. <laughs> I'm so excited to have you. I've been eyeing and having you for a while, and I'm so glad that things are kind of getting up and going again in Singapore. It's it's hopeful for us to see things, classes and everything coming back very slowly, very slowly. But it's still here, which is the most important part, I think. So tell us a little bit about you, how you got started and why you're in acapella. Basically, I've been singing since I was a kid. So uh, your typical story, you know, joining children's choirs, because back then, you know, who knew about acapella, right? <laughs> so uh, children's choirs, I think I started out with the Yamaha Children's Choir, went on to the People's Association Junior Choir and then school choir. At some point, I was leading the school choir as well because the teacher was sick for a very long time. So when I was doing my thing, joined the Singapore Youth Choir that's when I got exposed to the swingle singers, the king singers, I think those were the first so-called a cappella groups that, that I got to watch live. And it made me realize that, yes, I love to be in a choir, but I'm really drawn to the more rhythmic music, you know, not just pop, but, you know, anything that's just not, oh, <laughs> <laughs> or, or any of those modern, yeah, yeah, just, just, yeah, music that makes me, makes me dance and keeps me happy. I studied a bit of marketing, did mass communications, did some singing, diplomas on the side. When I started my first one or two jobs, I very soon realized that I was spending more time trying to fax out press releases for my concerts and, you know, <laughs> looking for a clothing sponsorship rather than getting more work done. You know, I was just bored at work. So the chance, the opportunity came for me to make a proposal to the, the people running the young musicians whom I worked with under the choir. So I, yeah, gave them a proposal and said, I, I would like to do something in a cappella. This was after this place called Chimes. Uh, in the city started a little a cappella, kind of like a movement for collegiate a cappella, bringing in American collegiate a cappella groups. That's amazing. More, yeah, I volunteered <laughs> there and I felt like, okay, it's too restrictive, too many rules. I, I want to do something more. What kind of groups did you see when they when they brought groups over? Harvard and Tonics, Women Rhythm, those. Oh, okay. So like kind of some of the original, the old school a cappella groups. Yeah. That's about like 20-something years ago. Well, that's about when I got my... Oh, more than that now, 25, 26 years ago. It's amazing how quickly time will pass. And mm-hmm. So from that, you know, how did you get involved with the Acapella Society? So I proposed to, and we started this thing called the Acapella Phonetics Club. And then it had newsletters, you know, basic things. That was still uh, kind of analog turning digital kind of era, right? Mm-hmm. Internet was, you know, merely for sending emails and, and maybe doing some work that the typewriter cannot do, like delete stuff and, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah, so we started a club there. We were blessed to be able to, to host uh, small concerts first, like because we had a 200-seater auditorium. So we did like a series. And, and, and during that time, I asked my boss for permission to visit the... West Coast Acapella Summit. Okay. 
yeah, my first one. And yeah, impact blew me away. And I told them, you know what? These people have to come here like now. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I bulldozed my way through and made sure they arrived here. Yeah. <laughs> That's a pretty good group to bring over. I think we sold, kind of sold out. Uh, we sold all the seats that we were able to sell in that venue. You know, a lot of groups would love to have 200 people in the audience. So When I came, I think it was uh, eight hundred or a thousand. That's amazing. Yeah, we held it at a church auditorium. That's amazing. Yeah, and and there was publicity support in the papers and, and everything, but nobody knew them, right? But the moment they started doing these like promo, you know, singing promo shows, when they got here, and then it was like uh, word of mouth, like fire. I've never seen that before. <laughs> I've never seen that again till now. It was just boom, boom, boom. And then, you know, everybody got really excited and, and, and tickets were snapped up quickly. I can imagine. And, you know, that's, I kind of miss. <laughs> yes, it does feel good when your organizer and, and the tickets sell because that can be stressful, especially when you're taking a chance on someone that no one there knows. So well done. It's gotten much more difficult. I mean, a lot more difficult now to do something like this. Yeah. Is that before COVID or, or after COVID? Uh, before, yeah. So There's- so like the purchasing patterns change and everything. Yeah. Quite a while back, maybe 15 years ago, at least there was still, schools were still buying tickets in bulk and they don't okay. do that anymore. Yeah. They were sending kids by the hundreds to concerts that, like that. Well, oh, that's too bad because that's, a, that's amazing. Yeah. My college used to do that because we lived in the middle of nowhere. So they would, when concerts would come to town, they would pretty much buy out the auditorium and then just give us the tickets to go as part of like our student activities. So I can imagine artists really appreciated that. So tell us a little bit more about the Acapella Society because we don't really have any, we have, you know, CASA and we have some organizations here, but I don't think we have anything quite like it here. Basically, we started the society. It started off as a club and then it converted into a non-profit organization. Yeah, we started 20 over years ago and it was supposed to be like a place like the home for acapella you know where people can network and meet other people and especially if they want to try to visit other festivals and all that and also i wanted to establish an like an array of annual programs as well as maybe monthly, like we had a Sunday vocal jam and everything. So yeah, we, we started off quite nicely, <laughs> built up the competition, uh, the annual festival. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about the competition, because, you know, those are very big here in the States. You know, everyone looks forward to the collegiate and the high school and the harmony sweeps and, and things like that. So what is, yeah, tell us more about your competition. Well, before COVID, we were still hosting it, you know, in fairly large auditoriums annually. It will always be on the first Saturday of July, just after, because we have the holidays, the school holidays in June and in December. So the competition will always fall on the first Saturday of July, and we would have six different categories, including an international category, where we would see teams from the Philippines and I think one of the last competitions we saw Indonesia, Philippines, not Malaysia. Yeah, sometimes China or Taiwan. Very cool. So what what are the other categories? We have beatboxing. We have high school, college, open category, international category. That's so much fun. And is this all in one day? So people get to watch everything in one day? <laughs> that must be a really long day for you. And usually it's really difficult to secure the venue because uh, we have to start the sound checks really early and we don't do it the day before. We usually do it on the day itself. 
and they would like completely freak out. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. So what is, I mean, it's, it's great that there's high school and college because we do hear, you know, we hear from a couple adult groups in Singapore, like, you know, Mike Capella is here in the United States quite a bit. And actually one of our other podcasts just spoke with Frisian. So we hear a little bit, but not really about the, the scholastic acapella. What's that like in Singapore? We have many groups in the but when we, when we say college, we, we have this thing called the polytechnics. So the, we go by age range. So we have anything from primary school into so age 9, 10 to about 16. That's the first age group. And then we'll have like 16 to 19 or something like this. 19, yeah. And then it's open category after that. Oh, so the college... National service, mm -hmm. yeah. Because of national service, we have some older students in, in, in the polytechnics and in the technical institution and then in university. What we wanted to do was earlier, we, we didn't have this segregation. We segregated it by age, but we realized that we needed to really make it such that we allow the polytechnic and the technical institution to compete against each other because their voices will always be slightly less mature than, let's say, the university students who would have the option of having older, slightly older male singers in the going to army and everything, right? So, yeah, so we make it by design it that way so that they get to compete amongst themselves and then all the others have to go into open category. That makes sense. For well, the high school category, we, we don't, in the last years, we've not had very many, yeah, because there are not many people running a cappella programs. Choirs, so, yeah, a dime a dozen. So what kind of music are you seeing from the choirs? Do they do more traditional music still in the choirs? Traditional, the folk I guess it depends on what kind of school it is because if it's a government school then they'll probably stay clear of religious music, anything related to religious music. So you try to be quite new. Same here, but it cuts out so much beautiful music sometimes. <laughs> I understand, but from all of the religions sometimes, like, can we just bring in everything so that they can sing a little bit of everything? But I'm a church musician, so. <laughs> they are more, the choirs are a little bit more popular or more popular to run in schools because it's a numbers game. So one trainer for this course versus 50 students and then one trainer versus, I don't know, 10 or 20 for acapella. Yeah, yeah that's a hard sell, I bet. <laughs> Yeah, here... ...a different way to encourage contemporary music. So are there after-school programs? Like, I see you teaching. I always see classes and things going on. I try. So, <laughs> yeah, after-school. And right now, of course, it's the COVID. So no, no, they are still not allowed to sing in schools. So choirs, I don't know, doing body percussion and <laughs> percussion instruments or singing on Zoom and, yeah, trying to make something out of their time. Oh, that's... Uh, body percussion is a good thing to learn right now because... You don't have to open your mouth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But also a cappella is the best thing to do right now because you, you know, you're in a group of five and yeah, it really helps with the numbers, especially if you have to size it all down, right? So having signals that can, can hold their part. And, and sing in smaller groups. That's why. Mm -hmm. And to do it online, you yeah, if you're doing it on soundtrack and everything. So for me, I think it's contemporary is the way to go. Of course. So looking ahead to post-COVID and when we hopefully are soon able to sing together again, what are you hoping to see? For the Acapella Society, we've always, we've never fundraised publicly. So we've always worked for every dime. Mm -hmm. We've 
I mean, concerts and workshops are, are not money making. So <laughs> we've done lots and lots of performances. Like we sing to death Christmas songs, and we take up any and every gig we can just to make sure that we can run for the next year and a half. We've not been able to do that in the last two and a half years because uh, all school shows are cancelled. They did go online, but that's. It's really changed, like the, the whole administration and, and, and how gigs are booked, you know. Like even the commercial gigs are not, not exactly back on. And those who are on the virtual platform, it's about who you know and all those internal connections that as a small society that, that we, we lack. So I guess I, I hope that, of course, market opens up again and, and there will be more singing, more music everywhere. Yeah, for a hope that we will find that formula for us to survive this because even when we come out of the woods, uh, yeah. There's, it sounds like there's a lot of rebuilding, yeah. Yeah, it's about like, okay, so, you know, and in Singapore, it's always about the new and the young, and there's a lot of focus on that. And once you hit 40s, <laughs> they'll be like, ah, oh, she's boring, blah, 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 you know. And, and that's kind of scary in that sense, yeah, that, that you're not in the hood with this and that person, <laughs> all these new people, then you know, what's hip and happening or, yeah, it's, it's like a crowd thing, right? Right. So it's about finding that balance, that way to move forward and, and to, yeah, hopefully try to find some new ways. So what else should we know about Singapore? Because we know so very little, you know, we have the, the ambassadors here, Mike Capella, so we hear from them, but, you know, I know it's so much bigger than that than just those five, six of them. <laughs> They're awesome, by the way. And they, they work so hard. They really deserve yeah, to be out there. For the rest of us, we, we have some new and upcoming younger groups, the newer generation. It's what we call the new generation. I know. I mean, those Mike Pella people might be 40 soon, so you have to replace them. <laughs> just kidding. I'm really sorry, guys. <laughs> different set of songs yeah the newer generation I mean because it's also because of how the music scene has changed here as, and it's also related to the contemporary music college that you know has evolved like when I was of age to do this collegiate program there was no such school so there was only <laughs> classical and piano and you know the contemporary school had just opened and only had piano programs with no vocal vocal programs at all yeah so now we're seeing more music and in technology programs in the polytechnics and even in the institutes so you're getting more yeah students coming up that are trained better trained not everybody's coming to acapella but you know and, and you know Frisian right or Frish, yeah. Ben that leads that group he's mm -hmm. really really something yeah so he has graduated from one of those programs and Amazing. it's really yeah yeah with his portfolio it's really really yeah it's great and so you know some of our audience we are Americans are not great at geography but Singapore is essentially the whole country is just one big city right it's almost just one city. It's a red dot. <laughs> it's a dot <laughs> on the map. It's really, really small, about six point something million people. Yeah, and you can get from one end to the other end in, I don't know, about an hour, two hours maybe. Or less, depending on how fast you drive. <laughs> <laughs> I was only uh, lucky enough to visit once. And yeah, we were like, okay, well, we only need two 
three days here. We'll see everything. Yeah. So what about your relationship? Do you have any relationship with the rest of Asia? Because you said Malaysia and Indonesia. What is that relationship like? Because we see Vocal Asia, you know, trying to bring all of those countries together. How do you see yourself in, in that community? Vocal Asia is very focused on the East Asian countries, not yet the South. But they just added Philippines. And I guess we are maybe helping with whoever we have met and worked with in, in the South Asian countries of Indonesia, Malaysia. And when we can, we encourage for them to include them. Yeah, so we as the Acapella Society, we are the ambassadors uh, in the American program, right, CASA. Yeah. And we also represent in Vocal Asia. And uh, now we've also joined the Latin American Acapella. Oh, yes. That's a brand new organization. So you're involved with that too? So what what's happening there? I'd love to... We, it kind of seems like a little bit of a mystery to us. We're still learning. In October last year... October, yes. <laughs> I'm so old. So like, Time is irrelevant right now. Yeah, we've not been out much. So, you know, they've held their first festival. It was a virtual festival and brought together many, many groups. Uh, it's going to be run every uh, two years. And they hope to make it a face-to-face version. I think it's this year or next year. Yeah, it's been a while since I spoke to them. Yes, so it will eventually become a a real-life festival where professional groups will be invited. Invited! Send your reels in! uh, Invited (laughs) to perform in this festival. Well, now I have to get ready for it. <laughs> That's why I'm still in acapella, to go to all over the world. <laughs> right, all these exotic places. And it's so My cool. favorite. Yeah, it's really cool. I mean, like so many different types of Latin American music from so many different areas and countries. So I'm also seeing in your social media that you've been working with senior citizens, which I think is so cool. So tell us a little bit about that program. So in this program, we're working with Mayor Denise in the central CDC. And we're running, we were we were running three, but now it's two because of COVID. And the one of the classes ha- has not proceeded ahead because they have a lot of uh, what we call pioneer generation seniors. So they were here born in the 30s, maybe. <laughs> Yeah, they're in their 80s. And so that's the yeah, most fragile group, right? Age group. Right. So they have to keep them away from each other, which is also really sad because they do need each other. So we are still actively running into what we call community centers. So these are community programs and it's open uh, for free to residents living within a certain radius of this community center. We've got over 230 centers. That's amazing. It seems, you know, and we... We see it here, you know, music changes, especially when people have things like memory loss and Alzheimer's and things like that. So what kind of things do they sing? So they are currently healthy and high-functioning seniors. We do Mandarin and English songs, so mostly oldies and, and traditional pieces. And my, my task is to share and coax them to try new things because it's not so so easy to, to change all of that you know muscular and bone structure changes that they go through in old age yeah and just to infuse also encourage community and respect for each other 
So basically, I teach them to sing. I give them lots of tips, correct their singing. We do all those warm-ups and everything. We do some cannons. But we've we've been online for the large part because we've been about uh, together for about two and a half years now. And yeah, two years online. Oh my gosh. It just started and then we went online, right? So like, okay. But you still have 200 people. That's That's great that they stuck with it. Even though people, we still have people, but we still have people. But but surprisingly, actually for seniors, going online suits them because they have to put on headphones and if they focus <laughs> and they can hear you better. If you put them in a large <laughs> class, they're probably like, well, what did she say again? Was it left or right? Tomorrow? Today. Was it next week? <laughs> what song was it again? You know, uh, did she say to sing it louder or softer? And then we'll have 10 different versions of that instruction. It still happens online that it's confusing, but but because it's closer to the ear, I find it gets it gets done. And I've met them recently, met some of them recently to sing face to face. And I thought I was going to have to deal with, you know, like technique that's all over the place. But they sounded half decent <laughs> to my surprise. And so you're also, I'm hearing, doing for another special group of people. So tell us a little bit more about that program. Okay, we were inspired by this one group in Taiwan. So we've had the opportunity through a friend to offer a, a program, a consultancy program at the Association for the Visually Handicapped. It's kind of in the works, you know, but we're in there and starting up basic singing lessons, basic music appreciation, you know, vocal program. And then on top of that, we'll be focused on creating an acapella group. Either completely members or clients from that association or it will be a mix of sight and non-sight singers and the main purpose is to provide a source of income and work and to allow us as well to I mean for them and to allow us on the other side of the spectrum to reach more singers you know and that's I mean I love hearing that because these two programs are what acapella is all about to bring in everyone and by doing this you know most of the time we see these young able-bodied people doing acapella but to bring in the senior citizens and the blind they can sing too and that just makes our whole community much more inclusive so i really love that you're doing that and now my the wheels are turning in my head of how can we bring that here because there are plenty of people here that could benefit from that opportunity too yeah i have to confess though for the seniors they're not yet singing in you know in in parts like a whole lot of parts they're not holding down their parts together so what we do is we either get a group in to do the structure of the song and we put them all in bits and pieces or in solos or yeah, we try to include them in, in the process and that's how it works for us at the moment because we have seniors that don't read so they're illiterate. Some are in different language so we have like groups of people in one group some are Mandarin oriented yeah and can understand you only in Mandarin and some are only in English and some both and so so but, but that's but amazing exposure yeah they are so happy when the video or the quality of the editing is done nicely and thanks to the CDC of course that we have a, a given budget that we can at least present them something that is is worthy yeah and it's gotten better you know we started off not knowing what yeah. to do after a couple of rounds we are all a bit more savvy well and I think that's a good lesson for us to learn because I think here you expect people to come into acapella being 
you know, already very educated in music, already very talented in music, already being able to read music. But, you know, there's nothing wrong with what you're doing because we started with very young kids here in our after school program. And people were always like, how are you getting second and third graders to sing in parts? And I said, well, we didn't start that way. We started just having them sing. And then our professional groups would come in and, and fill out the rest of it. But the more we did it and the more they did it, you know, eventually we got them singing in three yeah and three parts because they heard it so much they were exposed to it and we even have you know music teachers for elementary school and and we also sing at schools for students with severe disabilities and sometimes they can't sing with us because some of them can't even vocalize at all but they start clapping or they start keeping the beat which we overlook is an important part for them just to enjoy the music sometimes we get so wrapped up and being the greatest and being so good and and wanting to go on tour. But these are the things that music is so important for. Yeah. We are very adamant that we want to be different from, I would say, maybe our local typical choir, where you prepare a set of songs and there's nothing wrong with that. But sometimes we get lost in, as you said, you know, we prepare a set of songs and then we want to enter that big stage. We want to go to the Esplanade. We want to go to the Victoria Theatre to sing to hundreds of people in that light. And if Mm -hmm. someone says, please go to the regular market and, you know, stand under a tree and sing, I I would dare say not many people would agree to it because they want to be professionally mic'd up or this or that. They want it in a certain way before they'll say, yes, I'll do it and I'll present myself in the best way. Yes, of course. But sometimes that's not possible. But it's still important that that person who is sitting right there is still able to enjoy your music. There needs to be some flexibility. And I guess someone has to, yeah, has to be the one that, that does it. But sometimes it gets mistaken as, oh, it's shoddy. Oh, they didn't, yeah, want to do this or that. And you know, sometimes that doesn't matter because I think what everyone learned during COVID especially is they missed being together. They missed being with their friends. They missed the feeling that music gave them, the feeling that harmony gave them, hearing all the voices around them. So hopefully maybe we all learned a little bit of a lesson in this extended pause in our performing that there are other things that are more important and I think that you are doing those things and it's awesome thank you so much for doing those things I would love to come back to Singapore (laughs) it was beautiful I, and also, I probably would gain about 20 pounds because the, I still dream about the night market food. <laughs> I think I was there, oh my gosh, 18 years ago. I was there in 2004. So I, I still dream about the night market food. The big crab, I think I have a picture of the, it was like 11 o'clock at night, we had just landed and all I wanted to do was go eat. So I will come and I will just sing at the markets. I'm fine with that. <laughs> but I've seriously done it. We've got, I, I, it was a surprise for us. Uh, she said, okay, stand over there. What? Where's the mic? Don't have no mics. Please stand next to this banner. All right. So, you know, we're like, jangle. But, you know, from all of these hilarious experiences, we learn so much, so, so much. You know, you you realize that, you know, at such a venue, there's no point singing something beautiful like, I don't know, Silent Night or something because they don't get it. But if you sing loudly Jingle Bells and Rudolph or something they know, they're going to cheer for you endlessly. But you sing- They love it. 
meant yeah meant for that space they'll be like yeah yeah okay it could be your best song but it just yeah yeah i mean i will have four people on stage during christmas season during the holiday season and they are all you know masters and professional musicians and what do the audience were like is there something you want to hear and they're like jingle bells and we're like okay we are being paid good money to sing jingle bells and sometimes we sing it in unison or we make up a part and people love it. Like I probably the best reception we get all year long is jingle bells. Yeah, it's like singing the music that's meant for the for the audience. Yeah. To remind ourselves not to get too high up there with our like artistic endeavors and for yes. the audience. There's definitely a time and a place for that, but yeah, that's what the give the audience what they want and learn to enjoy it. Learn to learn to enjoy it we uh, even had an experience for christmas caroling in a mall where there was i think a burst water pipe and oh then no. cascaded down onto the stage so no electrical equipment was turned on and uh, of course we are not told beforehand right so we arrive and we are told to sing acoustic in a very busy mall i imagine <laughs> so of course amongst us the classical singers the one that gets you know projection <laughs> <laughs> That's when the classical training comes in. So project, get it out there. We'll just we'll just support you here. They'll just hear you. It's fine. Do your thing. They're not going to hear any of our. Yes, they'll hear my very low alto. Not at all. Well, Angie, it has been such a pleasure to learn more about all of the things that you're doing and have this conversation about you know all of the very important ways that you're bringing music to everyone and that. I, it just touches my heart. And Chris is going to be so sad that she missed this because that is right up her alley. That's what she loves to do. So, well, hopefully I will be able to get to Singapore and not make it 20 full years before visiting. But I hope that COVID ends and you're able to get everything fully back up and running. And hopefully we'll be able to meet at a festival soon. Yay. Thank you so much. See you next Tuesday. See you next Tuesday.